Hello, and welcome to the Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Alex Muir, helping you maximize your performance. And in today's episode 43, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Dawn Garrison. She has a doctorate of acupuncture and oriental medicine, DAOM, from Emperor's College in California. And her practice, Carolina Family Acupuncture, is in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And please welcome Dr. Dawn Garrison to the podcast. And this episode is brought to you by RadioGuestList.com, the number one free radio guest podcast and talk show guest expert interview booking service on the internet. Hi, welcome to the Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Alex Muir, helping you maximize your performance. And in today's episode 43, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Don Garrison of Carolina Acupuncture. Dr. Dawn, welcome to the Mindset Podcast today. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I'm super happy to have you on the Mindset Podcast today, Dr. Dawn, because a lot of people don't know, or they might know about a little bit about acupuncture, but what exactly is acupuncture and how can that benefit people and help them reduce their stress levels? <laughs> so you just go straight in to like the most complicated <laughs> answer and question. Um so I'll tell you a little bit about the way that I explain it to my patients. So acupuncture is part of Chinese medicine. Chinese medicine or East Asian medicine has been around for thousands of years, right? So it's, it's mm-hmm. practiced nowadays um, all over the world, and it is considered a holistic medicine. So what that means is that we are looking at the whole entire body, not just isolating a specific area of the body. So we look at not just the physical aspect of the body, but also the mental, emotional, and the spiritual aspect as well. And we utilize um, the acupressure points, different types of Chinese herbs, and other types of therapies that are within this whole umbrella of Chinese medicine to help balance the body and bring it back basically to a state of homeostasis. Very nice. Very nice. And I like how it's all combined together because like you were saying, there's a lot of other, uh, you know, forms of medicine or alternative forms of medicine that it's, it's only focused in one area. And I'm always looking for that, um, you know, that, that strategy or that, you know, way of doing everything kind of all at once. Right. Yeah. Because we're whole beings, right? Yeah. It, yeah. We just don't, we're not isolated to one specific body part. So no, no, for sure. Yeah. And again, like anything that can encompass the, the, you know, mind, body, spirit, all at once is like, you know, so beneficial, especially right now with this whole pandemic that's been going on. Completely, completely agree. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, I know you've, uh, you, you, in a nutshell, you gave a really good summary of what acupuncture is and, 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 and how it's, you know, uh, you know, goes back thousands of years with Chinese medicine. Um, what are some simple tips before and after your patients come in for appointments um, that you recommend, you know, uh, if, if they're not, they haven't done an acupuncture treatment before, what are some of the things, um, maybe before the appointment or some things that they, that your patients, uh, re- need, maybe need to review, um, before they go into an appointment like this? Cause it's definitely different because you're using a different uh, method that people might not be used to. So what's some, what's kind of like your, your process, like pre and post, uh, appointment for that? 
Well, so that's also a good question. So I honestly, I think to a certain degree, it really depends on the area that you're practicing in. Right. So for example, practicing in South Carolina, it's a bit more conservative versus, you know, practicing in San Diego. Um, most people are familiar with the term, for example, chi, right? So chi is an element of energy in our body. And it is what flows through the meridians, which are the channels that run through our body where the acupuncture points lie. And so when we're doing an acupuncture treatment or we're using another type of modality, what we're doing is we're stimulating those acupuncture points to achieve a particular outcome or result. Um, and so when I have somebody that's coming in, most of my patients here typically come and see me because they've tried everything else and nothing is working for them. And they basically come honestly out of desperation at this point, at least in the clinic that I'm in currently. Um, and so a lot of what I see is that people are just willing to try anything at that point. Um, and so I, I typically, the way that I explain things to my patients when they come in is I'll talk a little bit about how the body works from a Chinese medicine perspective, but I'll also talk about, um, it, how it works from a Western perspective. So, I feel like it makes people feel a little bit more comfortable because there actually is quite a bit of research um, on Chinese medicine and acupuncture specifically on how it works in the body and what it's specifically effective for. So no, a lot for of, sure. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times that's the direction I go in. Um, you know, practical things is I'll have people, you know, make sure to wear loose clothing. <laughs> so yeah, I can't yeah. tell you how many patients I have that wear skinny jeans. <laughs> this makes <laughs> it a little more challenging. Um, and, you know, really just making sure that I know what medications they're on. You know, I ask them pretty much a full health history intake regardless of what condition they're coming in for. Again, because that same concept, it's a holistic medicine. So we're not just looking at, you know, the specific areas that they're dealing with and their, their chief complaint is, but we're looking at the whole entire body. So I'll ask questions be, from, you know, we talk about everything. Um, and so, you know, I try to preface that for most people. So I... I no, for sure. Yeah, so I hope that answers answers that question. I feel like it's, it's really kind of, um, area specific to a certain degree. Definitely. And, and that's, that's good to know. Cause I didn't know that about acupuncture. Like I, I, I know that it is a very specific area, um, but I didn't know that it, it could really vary by state as well. Ex like, you know, like the, Oh, there's like people that are way more, uh, open to alternative methods in this state. And then in in another state over, it's completely different. And people are like, Ooh, like that's too much. That's too much. Or, you know, or they tell you to dial it back or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, for example, I do not have a lot of Buddhas, I actually have no Buddhas, nothing like that in my, in my clinic, which is very <laughs> different from, you know, a practice that you may go into in California, for example. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's about making people feel comfortable and creating a peaceful environment so that they feel safe, you know? No, for sure. And, um, and when you say that your patients that come in, they've tried every other method, now, your patients that are coming in that have tried all these other, you know, techniques, uh, appointments, methods, um, are they typically in certain uh, maybe specific professions that are more prone to prolonged stress? Um, yes. So I see a lot of, I would say there's, I go through waves. 
So I okay. see a lot of people that deal with repetitive um, conditions. So for example, um, South Carolina has quite a bit of manufacturing companies, right? So I see a lot of repetitive right. injuries such as, you know, shoulders, um, neck, cubital tunnel syndrome, that type of thing. Um, and then I also see a lot of people who are under a tremendous amount of stress. And I actually treat, I would say people that are in the health field are the ones that I see the most of that are under long-term um, amounts of stress, especially, obviously, this year. Um, mm -hmm. And I would say that's that would probably be the, the patient demographic that I see that is under chronic stress, their nervous system is just at it, it, hyper aware. Um, and that's typically where, where we focus the most is really just helping people come back to switching from that fight flight response, basically mm -hmm. back to, you know, bringing their back, their nervous system back to that parasympathetic space. So, right. Right. Cause, cause yeah, cause I do notice, uh, you know, I mean, I'm in the sales industry and, uh, even for myself, I, I definitely go through these waves of stress mm -hmm. where it's like, it's usually pretty good. I'm, I'm, and, uh, and I use, I use meditation outside of work, um, to help me, you know, battle the stress and stuff. And, it, and it's definitely helped, but you still go through those phases in work where, you know, no matter what you're doing, whether I'm exercising five times a week, meditating five times a week eating good and I still am not, and feel like there's something missing and I'm not doing enough. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm super interested to try acupuncture for myself and I'm sure our listeners will want to try it as well if they haven't. Um, because that's what I believe is just you, you need to kind of experiment, you know, pretty frequently sometimes to figure out, you know, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Completely. You know, and I think that's a really good point because not everything always works for every single person and it's mm -hmm. not always the same fix each and every single time either. So it is important to kind of branch out. Um, you know, for myself, I, I find myself going through those waves as well. And as a practitioner, I really do my best to kind of walk my talk. Um, and so I, I have some telltale signs of when I'm starting to feel stressed out that I will either go to get a massage or I have a chiropractor yep. that I trade with as well, or I'll go get an acupuncture treatment or I'll do yoga or, you know, because it is so important to incorporate these other modalities because, yeah. you know, that again, we're, we're whole beings, right? And so we need more than just one thing at any given point. No, no, for sure. And what would you say um, is like kind of like your morning routine look like for your own self-care? Because I know a big, big, another big part of 2021, you know, transitioning from 2020 is, you know, every January, there's a huge emphasis on everyone's self-care, getting <laughs> right. to the gym, meditating, yoga. We're in, we're in that, uh, you know, we're in that, you know, New Year's resolution month. Um, so what... Uh, what amount of time do you do you like to spend for yourself, whether that be work better for you in the evening or the morning, whatever, or even in the afternoon? It's, it's different for everyone. But what, what typically do you do um, as your kind of morning ritual to get your get your headspace, get yourself in the right headspace and just create that inner sense of calm? Right. Well, so I have a five year old, so I don't really get a morning routine. <laughs> um, 
so so because I have you know he's a little alarm clock um but yeah so what I've done this particular year um and I've been in practice for well now 10 years um and so this is the first year that I've actually done this um and what I've done this year is I schedule my self-care around everything else um so I do that first so for this year, I have pre-scheduled already time um, to take away, whether it is to go for a walk or, you know, to um, meditate or to just have some downtime. Um, I also have scheduled yoga. And then what I do within that is that I'll schedule my patients around my self-care. Um, and I'm prioritizing that above everything else just so that I can stay present both um, – you know, as a practitioner, but then also as a mom. Um, and that is kind of what I've done. The other thing is this particular year, um, I'm, you know, I, I've definitely fallen into the trap of the New Year's resolutions like everybody else at different points in my life. Um, but this year, I'm just doing one very small shift and, and basically have a word per, per month. So this year, or excuse me, this month, I'm really just focusing on sleep. Um, because because ah. sleep beyond anything else i've i've found especially as a practitioner but also in my own life if i'm sleeping well everything else is functioning better and yeah. so i'm actually not prioritizing making sure i wake up in the morning i'm prioritizing making sure i go to bed early enough so that i get a decent amount of sleep and that's just what i'm focusing on right now that's a very good area to focus on mm-hmm. because a lot of us are in a sleep deficit mm-hmm. <laughs> and finding ways to, to have a better quality sleep. And, you know, if we can increase the amount of sleep, it, I, I noticed the exact same thing. I've, I've always wanted and loved more sleep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so any, you're probably the same as well, but any chance that I can get to sleep more, even if, especially when you know you've had a late yeah. night, I'll even I'll even come home and nap if I absolutely have to. If it was really like a late night, uh, you know, on a weeknight or whatever, and I just got caught up and I got busy with projects, I'll try and meditate and then I'll go right to sleep. Especially like when I'm meditating, lying down on the yes. couch. I I normally you know if you're lying down trying to meditate or something, your your mind starts to you know, get, get really soft and you start to get really relaxed anyway. So it's a, it's kind of like a, puts you, puts you in that, that sleep state right away. Exactly. Yeah. So that, I mean, so that's what I've noticed is that it's, it's easy to get into these fancy, like, well, I'm going to do, you know, 60 minutes of yoga in the morning and then journal gratitude for, you know, half an hour or two. And, and I, what I've realized is that that doesn't, that doesn't long-term serve me in the same way as, you know, instead of getting up that additional early time, but sleeping into that point. <laughs> so that's, that's what I found to be helpful for me. No, no, for sure. And as a practitioner and a single mom, you know, that, that's, that's already in and of itself. Like you're, you're juggling quite a bit in your schedule and, and having to raise a five-year-old on your own. So how, how do you, um, like, how do you, how do you manage everything? Like, you know, like I know you, you, like you mentioned, you, you pre-schedule everything in as much as you can around your self-care, but you know, I know, and I bet some, some weeks, you know, are definitely a little tougher than others, but, uh, what, um, you know, what, what, what area would you say puts yourself in the best 
um, state to be able to manage so, you know, so much responsibility on, on your own? Yeah. I mean, you know, to be, to be honest, I do have help. So I feel very grateful for that. Um, you know, both sets of grandparents, um, are now here that that's pretty recent, but that has been a huge, huge help. Um, and you know, he, he does spend time with his dad sometimes as well. So that's, that's also extremely helpful. So, you know, having that additional support, um, kind of really has been, um, a lifesaver for me. And then, you know, really kind of balancing and prioritizing per week. I, I, do a loose block scheduling for myself. So, um, you know, because I'm also pretty active on social media as well. So I basically schedule Mm -hmm. in um, my work and practice. I also prioritize spending time with my son um, as well as, like I said, self-care and um, social media. So it's a lot of blocks of time. Yeah. Time blocking. That is, yeah. that has been yeah. the most effective, you know, and then, you know, not beating myself up if something gets, um, you know, it's just not going to be able to happen this particular week. Right. It's allowing <laughs> myself that grace. So that's also very helpful. And do you, and are you someone that try that tries to time block in hour increments or like 15 to 30 minute increments? Uh, no, no, no. I time block probably about like two or three hours. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Same. <laughs> cause yeah. Cause if, if you, if you like, I, I know people that do it down to the second and I can't mm-hmm. do that, but I know I, I always like to leave a little bit of leeway. Cause I know things will change like every week, you know, sometimes, like you said, there's the stuff that's out of our control and we just can't um, change, you know, certain things that are going on. Cause they're, you know, like you said, they're, you got to prioritize. Yeah. So, and so much of it too, I don't know if you have this experience, but for me, when I get into a particular mode of doing something, whether it is creating, um, versus, yeah. you know, um, admin work, like those are two very different head spaces. So I can't, they I, are. Can't, I wouldn't be able to switch back and forth, you know, in a half an hour increment with that. So I, I allow myself a certain amount of time. And then within that time, I also take, you know, a little break or I'll get coffee or something along those lines. So I'm not completely on my computer the whole entire time, but you know, but I, but again, that's, that seems to have worked well for me. So then it helps me to know, okay, I'm, I'm going to be dedicating brain capacity to this particular project on this day and on this time so then I don't really have to think about it till that point. And that that's also very helpful. I like that a lot. Dedicating brain capacities to a specific yeah. area because you're, you've really got to prepare your mind for certain projects ahead of time. For yeah. Sure. And, and so much of our time is wasted in, oh, I need to remember to do this thing. Right. I mean, how often are you like, oh, I have to get the laundry or I have to get this like one silly little thing from, you know, Target or or the grocery store or 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 Amazon or whatever that piece is. And so I'm I'm really starting to learn the importance of having that dedicated mind mind space slash mind dump so then I don't have to walk around with these thoughts that are floating in my head that aren't useful for 99% of my day. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. It's, it's, I find that it's always that admin, like, like I'm trying to set it off to the side, but it eventually it just builds and builds. Exactly. And builds. <laughs> exactly. 
And on a couple of your questions, when you, when you sent in questions to be on my show, you talked a lot about, I know a lot of people talk about balance, but you use the word harmony. And I really like that because um, when I was doing more research on it and for myself in particular, like I've always had a difficult time with balance. I've gotten better at it, but what I've noticed is there, this is for everyone too. No one will really be in balance ever you'll always have an area it's it's just like those uh those weights um whatever you call that uh thing where it's like it's got the sand um or the or the weights on either side and always one side of the weight will be um skewed to the one side because you're still everyone is always still spending a little bit extra time in in one other area that they're very they put they put it in priority over other things just a little bit more so as much as people can be in control and balancing out their life, I definitely feel like it's definitely uh, almost impossible to do a live a life of full balance. But what's yeah, your take so, on that? So, I mean, really, this is like the beauty of Chinese medicine, right? Is that we talk about this concept of yin and yang, um, which is the sort of the universal truth and um, the or one of them. <laughs> and the idea is that they're always constantly flowing in and out of one another, right? You can't have one without the other, but there you also have to and they always turn into the other aspect of it. And so the idea is that if you look at a year, for example, right? So the the perfect way to understand this concept of yin and yang is to look at the way that the sun and the moon work and the seasons, you know, during the winter, it is very cold and we don't have as much sunlight, right? And during the summer, we have a lot of sunlight. And so part of that concept is that there's only two moments within a 365 year that are in complete balance, right? And those are the equinoxes. Everything else is Uh. completely always in an ebb and flow of either it's building or it's declining. And so, you know, really living in this concept of harmony, you know, is living within that concept of seasons. And you can apply that same principle to whether it's seasons of your life or seasons of, you know, your business, you know, for example, if you're going to be looking at that perspective, right, or seasons of your, you know, if you just had a brand new baby, you're going to be spending 90% of your time versus, you know, when you have a teenager, hopefully, you know, so it's, it's, it's it's (laughs) different, it's a different type of ebb and flow and energy that you're putting towards it. So I think sometimes we get into this idea and, you know, unfortunately, I feel like especially for for working moms and moms or, you know, stay at home moms, too. I mean, there's this idea that, well, we need to do everything all the time and it has to be perfect. And like we have to be the best boss and we need to be boss babes and we need to also be like the best mom. And there's all this like best piece. Right. And we, we got to have it all. And, um, and that's just not possible because we don't have that resource we don't have that energy to be able to do those things so i you know it's kind of allowing yourself that grace and realizing like okay where am i in my season of life you know is this this time where do i have a brand new business and like i have to basically dedicate a whole lot of time to it to be able to make it grow or is the business kind of going along really well and now i can kind of focus on other things or 
you know, so realizing that piece. And then the other part that's really important to this too is also, like I said, being aware of the season. So winter, we're made to hibernate. We're meant to be slower. We're meant to sleep more. <laughs> like, you know, I I feel like um, I, I kind of have this like, I know I kind of talked about it a little bit before, but I sort of have this like uh, New Year's resolution, this concept of New Year's resolution, everybody go into the gym. Like, I think exercise is great, but this is not the time to be doing like deadlifting. This is a time to be doing like gentle yeah. yoga, right? Like do yeah. those really yeah. active exercises, you know, spring to summer. That is the time to do that. You know, detox smoothies. You're not supposed to detox during the winter. This is a time when it's okay for us to gain a little weight because our bodies naturally do that. Do you know what I mean? So like detox right. once it's spring, once it's starting a little bit warmer, you have more energy, you have more chi flow that's the time to do it. And so being okay and living with the seasons and living in the environment that we're at, um, I think is, is really the peace and the beauty of what Chinese medicine teaches us. Ah, okay. Yeah. Cause you, you're, uh, you're really, um, making some key points because, um, I listened to, a another podcaster named Lewis house and he talks a lot about, uh, you know, he always talks about, Oh, what season are you, what season are you mm -hmm. in your life right now? You know, what, where, where is your focus lie? Right. Because your focus will lie in the season that you're in, like you said. So, and everyone's season is different, you know, but you try and you try and mitigate the season that you're in with, you know, winter, spring, summer, like you said, and uh, then you'll be, you'll be more in sync. Exactly. And on. that's where the harmony comes in, you know, because then you're living yep harmonious with your environment both in your own life and in the outward environment of of you know your your where you're living so yeah and i find this very interesting because i know tiktok is very yes. it's really trending right now um and a lot of people a lot of uh, people are are using it you know when i was looking into tiktok it was mainly like musicians you know various creatives that were using it or people, you know, mainly mainly musicians and dancers and stuff like that. But I I haven't seen too many people have been using it for creating educational videos. What made you want to be active on TikTok and make it? Yeah, so it, TikTok has been a very interesting, <laughs> a very interesting ride. Um, so I joined TikTok honestly for a couple of different reasons. One, because I wanted to. I've had a newer practice in South Carolina, and I just you know, was getting more active on Instagram. And I thought, okay, here's this app. I heard some other, um, other people in a practice management group that I was doing, that was doing well on it. And so I kind of hopped in and then what ended up happening is I went viral really, really fast. I grew really, really wow. quickly. Um, I ended up having 200,000 people within the first month. It was crazy. Yeah. And oh my so goodness. Then what ended up happening is I was getting flooded with all of these questions from people throughout the world who had no concept of what acupuncture was, had no understanding of like very simple things of their bodies. And it just made me realize like how much information um, out, how much education there still needed to be for this medicine, you know, and it made me realize what a bubble I was living in. 
um, you know, coming from California, I mean, I, I not only was living in California, but I was living in the, I would say the alternative bubbles of California, right? So like everybody I knew was either a massage therapist or a, you know, a life coach or a, um, you know, some sort of aspect within the wellness community. So, you know, of course people knew about acupuncture and they've either tried it or they knew something about it or they understood about Qigong or understood about Qi or, you know, whatever that was. And, and then here I was on this platform teaching people how to, you know, help headaches with acupressure points, for example. And, people were blown away by the fact that it worked. And it just made me realize like, oh my goodness. It, yeah, like nobody Holy knows anything about it. Um, and so wow. that's kind of where I've gone since then. So it's been a kind of crazy ride for Holy. sure. Yeah. And the fact that you're, that you leveraged it to, yeah, provide educational content and, and get people help people understand what acupuncture is and, you know, provide probably little snippets on things that you can do to, you know, relieve stress, pain, exactly. inflammation. Yeah. It's been, re- I mean, it's been wow. really great. I feel really grateful for that platform. Um, it's just been, like I said, it's, it's been a, it's been an interesting ride and, and TikTok is fun. Um, you know, and, and the interesting thing is, is that through this whole pandemic, I feel like that's when it's really grown. Right. So I jumped oh, on, definitely. you know, timing wise, I think was crucial for me. I jumped on right before really COVID hit. Um, and so that's, I think the reason why I, I kind of grew so quickly, um, has already had a foothold when, when that happened. Um, but the interesting thing is, is now, you know, I follow educators, I follow doctors, I follow, you know, there's, there's a ton of education on that platform now, which has been really neat to see. Um, so, you know, I, I know in the beginning it was, I, I had so many people say like, Oh, why are you on this app? It's just for, you know, it's for 15 year olds. Like, why are you on an app for 15 year olds? But you know, the thing is, is that the 15 year olds are then going to become 20 and 25 and 30. And if they understand about alternative medicine now versus later and recognize like, Hey, there's other ways that you can heal your body. Like how amazing and beneficial could that be for their lives? Oh, totally. Like I totally agree. Like, um, being on a platform, that's what I'm also trying to do with my podcast is like, I want, I want to keep getting younger and a younger and younger audience because as soon as they're, let's say over the next decade, right, they're going to be in their twenties mm-hmm. or early twenties. And I want to have a listener that's listen for, you know, let's just say like yeah. five to 10 years, right? Because they're going to evolve. They're going to gain more knowledge. They're going to learn, you know, tools, tactics from all the guests, guests that I have on and they're going to change. They're going to develop and, And it's just be so cool to be, you know, part of that process as someone that's trying to provide, you know, provide value on, you know, on a podcast. Um, I think that would be, you know, I look back when I was in high school and I wish I would have had something like this to listen to just to, you know, when people are in those form, their formative years and they're still trying to figure things out, you know, having my variety of guests that I have on, then people will can really be like, oh, wow, like you know, this, this person was on this podcast and like, I, I really relate to them and, you know, and then I had, I outline all of my guests information and it's all right there for them. So, you know, it just, it, it just depends, you know, which, 
which kind of avenue you want to go in, but having, having, uh, you know, people in different, different niches, it's yeah, super cool. And it, and it makes such a profound impact. Yeah. Oh, huge. Like, yeah. And it, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's just another way to, another way to learn, right. People for the longest time, it was always right. just paperback books and now it's paperback books, audio books, podcasts, like, you know, there's even a, uh, I don't know if you've heard of an app no. called Blinkist, but basically it's kind of like, it's kind of like audiobooks, but it's basically, it summarizes uh, like articles from books or it does like book oh, summaries kind of a that's thing. that's cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's lots of different ways to get educated now. It just depends on kind of yeah. what, what way works for you. I love that. Totally. And since we were taught, we were talking a lot about COVID and a lot about, you know, professionals specifically in the health healthcare space that we are, we're on, you know, we're on the verge of burnout. They had burnt out. What are some of the early signs of burnout? I know you might've touched on it there with when you have your patients coming in, they tend to carry a lot of their stress and the pressure from the stress and their shoulders, their arms, their back. Um, You know, what are some, uh, early signs yeah, of so, that you see? Um, you know, I think it can, depends to a certain degree on the individual. Um, a lot of the times early, or I say, should say mid symptoms that I see are low back pain. Um, and that's that deep chronic mm. low back pain. Um, from a Chinese medicine perspective, that typically has to do what we with what we call about the kidney chi. Um, and the kidneys in Chinese medicine, the kidney chi, um, the yin, the yang, and the um, sort of the vitality of the body all stem from, from that aspect of the body. And it's like our energy backpack. And what ends up happening is we have a certain amount right. when we are born. And then what ends up happening is that people have a tendency to burn both candles at this end, right? And it gets depleted yeah. over time. And once it starts getting pretty low, that's when you start getting really low back pain. Um, a lot of the times is what I found, at least from Chinese medicine perspective, that's one of the things we look for. Um, I would say mood changes is another one. Um, you know, I, I definitely stress, um, but then also feeling frustrated or, you know, easily anxious or noticing that you're worrying more. Um, I would say probably changes in diet. We're also noticing you're not, you know, eating as well or, or taking care of yourself as much. Um, things that you used to do or used to enjoy kind of not feeling as fulfilling as they used to. Um, um, probably another one that I see a lot is, um, self-care. You know, I know we were talking about that before when that starts to go yeah. out the window, right? You're no longer prioritizing it. You're no longer doing that because typically the thing that we need to do the most is the thing that we're avoiding. So <laughs> when you're really getting right. close to that burnout place, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I know I need to do that, but I'll, I'll do it later. Exactly. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I totally hear you on that. And when I get stressed, yeah. I definitely worry more and I get more anxious very easily. And I always carry my stress in my lower back and my neck. First place it starts is the, the neck. I just like, I get yep. this huge cranked neck and 
And when I went to, uh, I've been getting regular massages. I've been trying to go bi-monthly or by the quarter because um, I weightlift as well. So, you know, combination of stress and weightlifting is is a lot of tension I carry sometimes, you know, with, with the stress too. So I have to go for regular massages. I have to meditate more. And big, big thing I'm trying mm-hmm. to work on is doing a lot more cardio because it helps keep me loose as well. But it's, but um, my massage therapist was actually, at, uh, I was telling her, I was like, Hey, you know, any ways, any stretches I can do or anything like that to help alleviate my neck pain, right. because that's where my stress starts. Cause I'm very, I'm very aware where, mm-hmm. where in the body, where I'm carrying it. So she says you can actually pull the, or grab onto the neck muscle on, you know, like right, like right behind your neck there. And then just kind of hold it, do a static hold just with your, yes. with, with your fingers on the neck. And it actually, that just doing that, just static hold for like 20, 30 seconds, you know, on either side, that was really helping to alleviate the, uh, the neck. Yeah, pain. definitely. So that, that, cool. that is a great, a great, um, technique to do. Uh, there's also some acupressure points that you can do also along that trap muscle. Um, typically for some people, like you mentioned, um, they, they hold a lot of that tension and stress in their upper shoulders and back, especially if they are on the computer all day, right? Yeah. And so that's a very common yep, one. Yep. Um, so if you kind of <laughs> back on, on that shoulder area, most people will have what I call the golf ball. Um, it is that in, and, and I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking about. It's like this big old knot um, right there in the middle. And you can oh, actually yeah. hold that knot. Um, and if you hold, you know, doing gentle pressure for one to two minutes and kind of taking some deep breaths, that can start to relieve that um, spot as well. So that's a that's a good tip that I am I give to my patients. Right on, right on. Yeah, because like it worked right away. And then doing um, another one was doing the the one where you're like she says while while driving, you're you're it kind of looks funny, but you you move your neck forward and then you move it back. Like, just like, just like move it forward, move it back. Yeah. Like, kind of like push it forward, push it back. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, cause what you're doing is you're just kind of, um, taking out of the, it's like cramped position and then you're just kind of, it's, yeah, it's just like doing like some, some repetitions with like neck rotation, but yeah, that backwards. makes perfect sense because our, I believe our muscles, they get, they get into a habit, right? So in the same way, that we get into habits of, you know, waking up at a particular time or eating a particular thing or doing a particular thing, our muscles get into habits too. Um, And so the biggest thing that I notice, especially with chronic pain is that it's not just that we're dealing with the pain. It's we're dealing with the habit of being in pain. Um, And so part of, Mm. part of the treatment process um, is breaking that habit and once that habit is broken in the body, that's when the real healing takes place. Um, so it, it is, it's, it's so important to like get your body out of those kind of repetitive um, spaces that, that so easily we get into. No, no, for sure. And it's just, it's, and it can just be like, you know, very small, like amount of time, like one to two minute. And what, what does it? an average acupuncture treatment look like and does it hurt because from what i've seen like and heard it's it like they put these long pin needles in you know in various parts of the body you, you find yeah. like you said you're finding the pressure points 
is that is that really how it is or is like there is there more of a process to it so or? so that is a very good question um so again all practitioners are different so in the same way that you know if you go to a massage therapist and there are massage therapists that focus on like swedish massage and then those are the there's massage therapists that focus on like the deep tissue or sports medicine or they do um like prenatal massage for example it's the same thing with acupuncture so you know most of us are taught, especially here in the United States, something that's called TCM, which is called basically breaks down into what we call traditional Chinese medicine. Um, but within that, there's also many different forms of acupuncture. So there's Korean style, there's Japanese style, there is five element style, there is sports medicine, there's specifically facial rejuvenation acupuncture. Um, so part of it is is determining what type of practitioner you're going to. Um, here in South Carolina, I'm pretty much a general practitioner, mostly because we don't have a lot of practitioners around. So I treat a lot of pretty much whatever anybody kind of shows up with. Um, but I've been trained in working a lot with what we call five element massage, which is a bit, um, or excuse me, acupuncture, which is a bit more gentle. Yeah. Um, and it works on the mental and emotional level and spiritual aspect of the body. Um, and I also do a lot of um, pain management and fertility. So those are sort of the focuses that I've had specific training in. Um, but like I said, I'll, I pretty much treat a whole bunch of plethora of, of different types of issues that people are going with. So when somebody comes in, I typically do um, an initial exam and I will ask them a whole bunch of questions as well. So I'll ask them questions from top to bottom, you know, if they have headaches, do what their digestive tract is like, you know, ask them questions if they're female, uh -huh. what their menstrual cycle is like, because all of that gives us different information. Um, a Chinese medicine diagnosis is very different from a Western diagnosis, again, because we're looking at the body holistically. So when we break it down, you know, all these questions give us an understanding of what's going on in the different meridians of the body. So there are 12 main meridians. Um, and these meridians are flow from the top of our heads all the way down to the bottoms of our feet and out to the hands and cover our whole entire body. Um, and the easiest way to think of these meridians, it's like a waterway. And so what happens sometimes is these waterways get blocked, right? And so depending on which waterway gets blocked, you'll have particular types of symptoms. Um, so for example, a very common one is stress for people. If they get frustrated and stressful, yeah. a lot of the times that is a blockage in what we would call the liver channel. And so our goal then is to move the chi in the liver channel to help people deal with stress. Um, but it doesn't mean that every single person that's stressed is having an imbalance in their liver channel. So that's the reason why we ask a whole bunch of other questions. So once we ask all the questions, we also look at the tongue and the pulse. Um, this gives us different information. It's part of our diagnostic sort of protocol. Um, and then some practitioners will do different types of um, exams in addition, you know, whether it's like physio exams to understand which muscles are the issue for dealing with muscle issues. Um, we'll, we'll do belly palpation. Sometimes I do a lot of like body palpation because I found personally, um, that the 
I, I'll check different types of acupressure points or acupuncture points to determine how I want to treat. Um, but each, each individual is then sort of given a, a diagnosis and treatment plan within our sort of medicine framework. And then from there, that's when we, we basically give them a treatment plan, right? So acupuncture like I said, is holistic medicine. Um, and it's also cumulative, which means that it is not a one and done type of treatment. Um, I've had in my 10 years of practice, I've had two patients that I treated once and they were like miraculously cured. That never happens. It's like, it never happens. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. no, so, um, <laughs> that's I a rare like people this because you know, it's like going to see a physical trainer, right? It's not, you're not going to just, you know, build yep, muscle yep. within one treatment. We're basically trying to break up a habit that has been in your body for a really long time. And it's going to take some time. Um, and then the other important thing to know is that it's not us that's doing the healing. It's your body that's healing itself. So what we're, I always say that I'm just like a fancy switchboard operator. Um, you know, so it's that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just, I've with the body, yeah. information <laughs> in the brain. I know how to like put the right points in the right spots, but it's your body that knows what to do with them, you know? And so, um, right. Right. So based upon that, then, then what we do is I'll do a treatment. And so depending on what's going on, I'll do a variety of different things. Um, if it's sort of more stress and emotional, I typically use anywhere from like eight to 10 needles. That's my own personal style. Um, these needles are very thin. So most of the, I would say on average, most practitioners use what's called a 36 gauge, um, which is a little bit thicker than a hair just to give you guys a visual, right? So most people think of needles and they automatically oh, think okay. of, yeah. um, you know, the needles that you get, whether it's like getting your blood drawn or getting, you know, a shot, right? Those are, I want to say like 12 gauge. They're very big. Like you, the, <laughs> the acupuncture needles are tiny. Um, and so most of the time they don't feel anything. <laughs> Occasionally you'll feel a pinch. Um, and then the odd thing is, is that most people fall asleep on the table or they get to that place where they're feeling really, really relaxed. So much so that there is this meme that goes around where we call it the Accu nap. That, yes. So that like when you Accu get a nap, treatment, love you it. just feel so relaxed that you kind of go in this in-between place of falling asleep. Um but not quite all the way asleep. It's sort of that like theta brainwave space. Um, and so it really helps the body to be able to rejuvenate. And so once you have the needles in, you lay on a table, um, typically with nice music playing um, for most average time, probably about a half an hour. So for some people, if it's specifically muscular skeletal, I'll typically use a lot more needles simply because we're not trying to engage the chi of the body as much. What we're trying to do is actually release um, that muscle and the fascial tissues. Um, sometimes they use a combination of what's called E-STEM, which is a form of um, electric stimulation. Now, it's, that sounds horrible, right? But it's not. It's a very small hertz. Um, if anybody's ever used like a TENS unit, it's very similar, except for it's not as intense as TENS unit. Um, and again, most people don't really even notice that sensation. Um, I also do cupping. Uh, cupping, I feel like, got really popular during the Olympics with Michael Phelps. 
Um, and so the cups are basically another type of therapy for sometimes we do that specifically for pain. Um, and then another thing that we do a lot of the times is called moxa, which is a particular type of herb. It's mugwort. And we, um, you can utilize it in multiple different ways, but basically it's a herb that you burn over a particular acupressure point safely right? There's no burn marks or anything like that. Um, but basically Mm -hmm. it's a heat therapy and, um, it helps to stimulate that meridian and it has a very specific purpose within our Uh... sort of, um, diagnostic, um, umbrella of what Chinese medicine is and what our, we do it based upon specific type of diagnosis. So that's a lot of information, but that is typically the way that I do it. And then Depending on what people are going through, I personally have people come in twice a week for the first couple of weeks to several weeks. Um, And then I move them out to once a week and then every other week. And then I kind of see them as needed after that. So it really depends on a few different factors of like how much, you know, how old they are, how healthy they are. Um, you know, how long they've had the condition, specifically what they're trying to treat. Each of those will kind of depend on what type of um, treatment plan I come up with for them. No, this is like, yeah, this is laser specific, which I love. Yeah. So it's very, very customary. uh, Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing is that we always say it's like a custom plan because no two people are that are created equally. Right. So like no two no, no two no, acupuncture yeah. treatments are ever the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and um you know since since like, you know, you're you're a practitioner in the healthcare space and usually it's, you know, within c- close proximity to patients. Some patients when they, you know, they when they're under stress or they get more relaxed, they tend to divulge a lot more information right. or they just open up more. Um what are some of the toughest conversations or hardest conversations that you've had to have with patients? Um, um, you know, I think it kind of depends on where I was in my practice. So one of the interesting things is, is that being in this health profession, I, I would say I'm, I'm pretty empathetic. Right. Um, and then the beginning of when I was a first mm-hmm. baby practitioner, I would say, Um, a lot of it was around boundary issues for me personally, just because you want to give so much. And a lot of it is learning how to kind of put that boundary up. Um, I don't really feel like I deal with that same level as much, um, anymore. Typically the most uncomfortable conversations I have with people are more just things that patients are sharing with me. Right. So, for example, I mean, I've had yeah, a few yeah. patients that have been diagnosed with cancer. Like that is a really intense conversation to have. Um, you know, I've had patients that, you know, have undergone miscarriages. That is also an extremely intense conversation. I've had patients that were in abusive relationships. I've had patients that, you know, are, um, I'm just trying to think of like specific, like, you know, patients that, um, you know, are afraid that their husband is going to pass away and they don't have any family around. And, you know, just all of these types of conversations that you have because people do start trusting you. And, you know, you, one of the nice things about acupuncture, I feel like, and being a practitioner, and again, it's, is that I, I feel like for any, and this is universal for any health practitioner, um, 
I'd say the biggest healing piece that anybody has is learning how to properly hold space. And um, I would say 99% Mm -hmm. of the healing is bedside manner, you know? And so you just start to learn how to be present for people and to show up and, and just kind of, you know, check your own stuff at the door. Um, but those are the, I would say the hardest conversations that I've had, um, or at least the ones I would say most, the hardest because they're just heartbreaking and there's not a lot that you can do for other than just yeah, be present for yeah. somebody while they're going through that. No, no, for sure. Yeah. Because like I was in financial services for four years and like, you know, the, you know, talking about money was, you know, it's a very, mm-hmm. it's a very uncomfortable thing for a lot of people, right? It's very personal. Um, and, uh, and, you know, like you said, like, when, when I was able to build that trust with my clients, like, yeah, sometimes at random, like, I wasn't even expecting it, they would just, you know, they would, they would, they would talk about stuff like that. Right. Um, maybe, maybe not that deep, right? Because it's, it's not, not in the healthcare space, but but they would definitely, yeah, they would definitely say some really personal stuff. I'm like, exactly. Oh, and how do you, how do you, that. <laughs> how do you be present for yeah. them, you know, without, without really allowing your own stuff to get muddled up in it. Right. And, and that definitely takes a lot of, that takes yeah. a lot of, yeah. um, it takes a lot of skill and a lot of practice and a lot of, um, you know, experience. Like I, yeah. And I'm still not, you know, experience there yeah. all the time. Um, I, I definitely have to, but, but again, that's where, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, like the mindful practices and meditation comes in so helpful because, you know, in those moments when it is uncomfortable, if you focus on your breath, you're able to become present again. And when you're present, that's when you're able to do that for another person. Yeah. Yeah. And having that mindfulness practice and good self-care, self-care practice, it exactly it helps all of us be more mindful and more present. So right on. Well, that's all the time that we got uh, today, Dr. Don, but pleasure having you on the mindset podcast today and, uh, you know, gained a lot of, a lot of wisdom uh, from your experience and, and, uh, you know, learned a lot about acupuncture because it's perfect timing because I was actually going to look into, you know, going for an acupuncture uh, appointment because, my massage therapist mentioned it to me and I'm always asking all the time, you know, like to, you know, fellow practitioners like, Hey, you know, I'm doing this, this, and this, it's not really working for me right now. You know, you know, would you recommend this? You know, or would, would you recommend acupuncture or would you recommend this? Right. Cause like, you know, something like you were saying, like certain things will, will work for so long. And then cause the body's constantly yeah. changing. And, and one thing I will say for changes, that is that so. like, um, it's important to note that not all acupuncture is created equal in the United States. So, um, so to be able to find a qualified yeah. practitioner, um, if you're in California and you go to the California acupuncture board, very clear, um, any other place out of California, you want to go to a group that's called the NCCAOM and they are the ones that certify and, um, become basically licensed acupuncturists outside of California. And so that is who you're going to, you should be looking for. Gotcha. Gotcha. And where are you most active on for your social media right now? I know you mentioned uh, TikTok and Instagram, but is there any other areas that our listeners can uh, yeah, you know, um, connect Pinterest. with you if they want to learn more about acupuncture? <laughs> In addition, yeah, I, I'm a big, I like Pinterest. Pinterest eh? I feel like it's ah. way less drama than any other platform. 
Um, so I, I like Pinterest a lot, but yeah, definitely. And and definitely make sure to follow me on TikTok. Um, I, that is honestly where I share, oh, and YouTube too. Um, but TikTok is probably where I share, share the majority of like the, the little how to videos. So. Nice, nice, right on. And uh, are you also active on your website at all? Very much any, so. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I am like doing. Um, I yeah. do do some telehealth medicine. So if you're not local to South Carolina, um, I'm happy to still work with you. I can do, you know, prescribe acupressure points, but I also do herbs as well, right? So that's part of Chinese medicine is um, herbal information. And then, in addition to that, I'm actually working on some courses currently, um, specifically for fertility. Again, kind of going back to what we were talking about before, I had so many questions for people of asking, you know, what are ways that I can help that it made me realize, okay, this is obviously something that people want. Um, so that's, that's another thing. So definitely look, look yeah. for that too. Yeah. Right on. Well, uh, have yourself a fantastic evening, Dr. Dawn. Right, and thank uh, you so looking much. forward to chatting with you, you on the care. podcast next time. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that special guest series episode brought to you by radioguestless.com. If you enjoyed this podcast interview with myself and my guests and you'd like to give me some feedback, please do so by leaving a short review on Apple Podcasts under Mindcep Podcast. That's M-I-N-D-C-E-P, the Mindcep Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, and I'll be happy to hear your feedback. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can do so as well on social media or on my blog. That's Alexander Muir, A-L-X-A-N-D-E-R, Muir, M as a Mike, U-I-R.com. And thank you for listening and see y'all next time.